Unloose the goose. We'll take no views. Your paradigm's run out of time and we've got no use. Unloose the goose. Hey there, ladies and gents. Welcome to Unloose the Goose, episode 3030. That's a great big number, and the podcast is rocking and rolling, moving and grooving. We want to thank you for tuning in today on the best agorist podcast out there. Sorry, Sal. Uh, it's good because you're on it, of course. So uh, today we have a great show lined up for you. We got Sal, the agorist, last name agorist, first name Sal, middle name the. I stole that from CJ there. We're not intellectual property guys on the program. So we got Jack Spierko of Survival Podcast, CJ Kilmer, history buff, and Nicole Sauce's picture, I think, will probably show up on the video for you watching us. Uh, how's everybody doing today? Pretty good. good. Yeah? Pretty Life's good. good? Yeah. Today we're going to talk... We've, we've joined the freedom that, that Sal's been enjoying. That's right. The mask mandate was lifted in Texas. Everyone's praising Governor Abbott, and it's like he was the one that put us in this situation in the first right. place. But You're finally least... catching up with Florida, and that is a sentence you've never heard before. You're finally <laughs> catching up with Florida. I like Florida. So um, in case you haven't been following the case count and the death count in Texas, since Abbott lifted the mandate, the mask mandate yesterday, uh, there have been tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of deaths. Uh, it's basically the whole state is the Alamo now. We're all dead, and uh, I'm a zombie. No. <laughs> so today, uh, all kidding aside, it is good not to have that mandate anymore, even though people are freaking out. We can talk more about that in a sec. Today, we're going to talk about manifestation and mindset and the role that mindset plays when it comes to success, uh, achieving your goals, not just in business, Oh, it could be relationships, could be activism, achieving a free society, could be agorism, uh, whatever it may be, the role that mindset plays. We're going to chat a little bit about the law of attraction, which is controversial. A lot of people think it's just hippie, hairy-fairy BS. Other people swear by it. I'm sure there's some middle ground we can find somewhere there. And yeah, we're going to talk about some principles, maybe share some personal stories and some some strategies that we have we have utilized in, in our lives. So that's the topic for today. Maybe we'll just get right down to it. Je- I, I brought this topic up. I'm big into manifestation and mindset, and I've, I've used it to find success in my life and to help achieve a higher quality of life and overall happiness. Um, and Jack brought up when I brought this up, he's like, yeah, let's talk about the law of attraction. Is it total bullshit or maybe it's not? So let's just the law of attraction for those that aren't familiar is this. There's this movie called The Secret. There's this book. I think it's uh, Abraham Hicks, right? There's this couple that would channel this spirit and they iterated the law of attraction. That's where it started. But essentially the idea that. Uh, where your thoughts go, energy flows or things that you – the mindset that you have over certain things and your thoughts can help to manifest that which you are thinking about, right? And it can go positive and negative. So let's just go around the circle and get people's take on the law of attraction. What do you think about that concept? Do you think it's bogus? Do you, do you have some little nuances that you would apply to it? And we'll start with old Mr. Spearco. Yeah, Um the mall parking lot for whatever reason and you 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 want to manifest a parking space 
and one shows up, I don't think you get to actually manifest a parking space or a, a job opportunity or anything like that. I, I do think there's immense power in meditation, self-directed prayer, internal dialogue, call it what you want to. And I think we live in a world of just fantastic, immense, overloading opportunity. And that when you get in the mindset of the law of attraction, the difference is instead of that opportunity just passing by you and you don't mm. even notice it, when that opportunity pop, pops up, you see it and you see it for all the manifestations of opportunity that really represents. It's usually not an opportunity. There's like 10, 20 different ways you can take it. And because you're in a heightened state of awareness, you see what would have been there anyway. Or I also think at times maybe you put yourself in a place to see an opportunity that you would have missed, but I don't think you actually cause it to come. And I think those are two very different things. Now, I think if a person is in kind of that mental attitude, if they believe in this stuff, since it does work, when they do it, they will convince themselves that you can literally manifest things out of thin air, in which case I'm like, well, where, where's your 100 bitcoins? Because if I could actually manifest shit, that's the first thing I'm doing. There's going to be a hundred bitcoins. I lost them in a boating accident. That's so if are. you disagree with me and you want to prove me wrong, send me a hundred bitcoins and then I'll come back on the air and say I was wrong and that it really does work the other way. But I mean, that's kind of how I view it. That like by having this mental state and this belief that we do have tremendous opportunity in the world and visualizing what we want. When something close to it shows up, we see it, and then we can kind of carve off the pieces like a sculptor and make it into what we want it to be. Right on. So it increases the chances of success because we're we're in that zone rather than not being yeah. conscious about it. What do you got, old C.J. Kilmer looking all slick down there with the ducktails? That's old school. That's right. Yeah, I'm an 80s kid, and I'm proud of it. That greedy capitalist there, Scrooge McDuck. There's a lot of libertarian free market stuff going on in the original <laughs> 1980s DuckTales cartoon. Watch it sometime. You'll be surprised. Right on. Um, but I think I'm kind of along the same track as Jack in the sense that I think people who treat these ideas as if they are literally true in the sense that there's like some magical ghost that's going to give you the things that you think you, you know, that you wish hard enough for, um, that, that, that is, that is not correct or true or anything. On the other hand, there's definitely some, there's some truth in that things like Jack was saying, you know, and also things like people who smile tend to be more attractive to others, Right. And so in general, if you're going through life looking a lot more happy and energetic and friendly and whatever, you're going to get more positive things happening to you. That's just the truth. Um, and then there is also, as Jack was kind of saying before, this the sort of placebo effect in the sense that if somebody is, you know, convinced that they've got some supernatural force helping them out, it might be like uh, Dumbo's feather in the sense that, you know, they're, they're going to have more confidence and maybe get more done. Not that there's actually any supernatural, invisible voodoo helping them, but more just that because they believe there is, they're able to be more confident uh, and accomplish more. So, you know, I, I definitely think a positive attitude makes makes one more energetic and in general, you know, appear happier to other people and will probably attract more people and more opportunities. I, I think there's definitely truth to that. Uh, the trouble with the placebo effect, of course, is if, you're smart and or skeptical enough to realize it's the placebo effect. It doesn't work on you anymore. That's, that's what I always struggle with. Um, but, but in general, I, I would say that to me, the, the, um, 
the idea that the the secret or, or whatever power of positive thinking, there's actually like some magical supernatural thing happening um, is sort of the same way that I see fundamentalism and literalism in religion in the sense that it is a fallacy of misplaced concreteness. It is, you know, taking like an ancient sacred scripture or something like that, that probably has a lot of allegorical uh, truth to it and a lot of, you know, valuable insights and, and, and sort of life lessons and morals or whatever. And instead thinking that the talking donkey is actually literally a talking donkey happened. Right. So, um, that, that's kind of how I view the people who take it to, who take this too literally is they're sort of in the same uh, boat as how I view fundamentalists. Right on. All right. I'm sensing a lot of, uh, you know, not dismissing it altogether, but a more grounded iteration of this concept, which I think is really important. Staying grounded. People get too lost up in the sky and, and then they're not able to get stuff done because they're just like all in their head the whole time. I, I, I tend to be skeptical of anything that's a little too woo woo. And, and, you know, not that I don't see value in some of it and benefit in some of it and I'm not putting down anybody who gets benefit from these things, but just, uh, personally, I tend towards a more skeptical nuts and bolts kind of view of things. Right on. All right. What about Sal? Sal, the question is, why haven't you manifested an agorist society yet, man? Come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's that's sort of why I kind of agree with everything that uh, Jack and CJ said. The only difference, really, I would say is I think it's important to be cognizant of correlation versus causation. Right. Just because, you know, if you immerse yourself in a task and you learn everything about it, then your chances of, of making it happen are going to go up. <clears throat> um, so just because there's, there, there's a correlation doesn't mean that there's a causation. That, that, that's the first thing. But generally, I try to dismiss a lot of the mystical stuff in favor of, like, reason and logic. So generally speaking, I am along the same lines as, as uh, everything that Jack and CJ have said so far. Right on. I think there I is – Real quick to that. Yeah, go ahead, Jack. Go ahead. I just want to say – I. I'm not sure that there's no mystical component to any of this. I just don't think it works from the standpoint of I want to manifest a beer, so woo, it comes to me. I think if there's anything we can have influence on from some sort of what we, I guess we would call mystical level, it's us. And I do believe we can change ourselves beyond just learning about a thing, that we actually can have some level of, I guess, heightened awareness or heightened abilities that, and I've I've seen things that I, I can't explain any other way, and I'll leave it at that. That I think there might be, may, and I'm skeptical, but there might be something there. But I think it's it's internal and it's when, when ourselves because we're really the only things we control. Right on. So if I've, I had uh, mystical powers, right, I could make something show up, and it came from you, John. Then that would violate you as a being, right? That would take from you. So I I think that like that belief itself is counter to. Like Free my will. fundamental belief of, of of how the universe views you as an individual. Yeah. Well, we all know the state is the only entity with that power to just take from someone else, manifests <laughs> your taxes. Taxation. <laughs> um, somebody close to me just had an MRI. Um, not, I don't want to worry anybody. Everything's okay. But I was talking to the doctor about how it works because I was fascinated by the machine. Like, wow, this is pretty. This is a sophisticated piece of equipment here. And they were talking about how the MR, the magnetic resonance imaging sends out these waves and it tunes to the parts of your body, to the cells in your body or to the organs. And that's how they can tap into it and check it and get these visual images of it. And I thought it was cool because they were pointing out like it's it, everything is energy. And I think as science catches up to a lot of this 
spiritual beliefs that civilizations have had for centuries um, and this mystical concept, like it kind of proves it out, right? Like everything is energy. Literally everything is energy. And I do think that there might be an element of truth to, I do think it's true and people could more adequately explain it, that when you have an energy in your mind with your thoughts, it, 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 you know, you manifest that type of energy, that frequency. This is one of the things that doctor mentioned, the frequency of different objects in your body, different things in your body. And so when you have that, when you're tuned into a frequency of positivity, happiness, love, compassion for your fellow human beings, then perhaps you are attracting that frequency or you're resonating that frequency, right? And on a practical sense, like we were talking about earlier, like a smile. If you're smiling all the time, then perhaps you you resonate and you attract more smiles. But if you're like pissed off, I always give the example of, you know, the whole mask thing to go back to the masks in Texas. There was a mask mandate. It's like, well, it didn't, it hadn't applied to me for a while. I wore it at the beginning. And then the city of Austin, the mayor was like, we're extending the mask mandate. And through December or January, this was back in like April or something or March. And I was like, that's absolutely ridiculous. And because that's so ridiculous, I'm no longer going to wear this mask anywhere I go because I can see it's total BS. But, um, I gave some advice to people because a lot of folks in our community, they're like on edge and they're all pissed off and they go into the Target or the Walmart like all pissed off, furrowed eyebrow. They're they're putting out an energy of anger and they're like or they're concerned that they're going to get in a confrontation. So they're going in there like these fucking liberals. We're gonna, I'm probably going to get in an <laughs> argument with one of these damn pussy liberals here. And then the people that maybe are inclined to speak up about something because they're pissed off, they've been watching too much CNN, they may be more likely to say something to a person that looks all pissed off and is just exuding that kind of energy. Whereas me, I'm pretty happy-go-lucky dude. I go in and I smile at everybody before the mask mandate and without it, but I'm kind of even playing it up. Like I want people to see it's normal, it's healthy. Here we have a a good-looking, happy man that's walking around a store, smiling at people, striking up conversations with the tellers and with other folks. And I'm less likely to attract that kind of thing. I've only had two people that say these stupid passing remarks, like it's not like there's a pandemic going on. And then instead of me being like, what did you just say? I say, oh, excuse me. I I couldn't hear you. What did you say? And they always like scurry off. I want to have a conversation. But what, what do you guys think about that when it comes to how you how you show up in the world in regards to all this mask craziness and the COVID craziness? So many things, John, come down to like a matter of definitions. And I think like that's I think that's sort of what's going on here. So we talk about mysticism. But then when you talk about things like um, electromagnetic fields, now you're sort of moving mysticism into the natural sciences, which I'm completely down with. I, I I'm with all that stuff. It's the mystical elements that I sort of try to avoid. But like when you talk about like social interactions and people responding to body language and stuff, yeah, that's 100% legitimate. And I'm with you uh, 100% on all that. It's like another practical application of what you attract. You put out what you put out, you get back. You got some other right. Jack? CJ, go ahead. Oh, yeah, I was, I was just going to say, yeah, I, I'm wondering how often, you know, when people talk about others giving off energy and vibes and things like this, how often is it simply that so much of our communication is nonverbal and unconscious and subconscious, right? And so perhaps a person who, who thinks that they, they're an empath because they're receiving, you know, some sort of, uh, I don't know, psychic energy or whatever is simply someone who's even more attuned than, than the norm to picking up on nonverbal subconscious communications. 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I definitely agree with what you were saying about the, the effect of the COVID and the masks and whatever. I mean, um, I, I have to wear a mask uh, at work. It's, you know, if I want my job, I have to wear a mask while I'm at work. And, um, you know, I have to say that teaching to a two thirds empty classroom of students who are socially distanced and they're wearing masks and I'm wearing masks. Mm. It, 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 it's not good yeah. psychologically. Like I, I, I feel it in myself, uh, after, after teaching under those conditions and, and, you know, the students who are in, in that live class, they don't seem to be like the students I would normally have in mm. terms of, you know, how, yeah, how plugged rough. in they are. So, yeah. Right on. With me, I kind of want to be intellectually where Sal is, but I've observed and seen things where I feel like there probably is some sort of energy field and maybe mysticism isn't the right word for it. It's just how we explain that phenomenon. And if you think about it at a time before people knew that there literally is an energy field around a human being, I mean, you can, there's equipment that can show you that energy. We're electric beings. And I think we can perceive that beyond just body language and nonverbal communication. I, I think that, like, for me, one of the – and, okay, so maybe there was this heightened ability to hear or something. But, like, I, what I think back to is, like, when I got out of the Army and we went to a friend's place and we were sleeping on the floor in a room and carpet and hit, I'm dead asleep. And his sister walked in there to check on us in bare feet on carpet, and I was immediately awake where I could perceive there was a person in that room that wasn't in my mind supposed to be there at that second. Hmm. And, and, and I, I was kind of on that heightened level for about a year after I got out of service from always having to be on that heightened level, just because, you know, Mm. sergeants do screwed up shit, like steal your gun when you're asleep to prove that they can do it. Mm. So you kind of end up in this, this atone in tune level. And like I said, I'm skeptical enough to say, yeah, that could be that maybe, there's a slight sound that you normally wouldn't hear that you hear that you didn't otherwise, but it, it didn't feel that way. It felt more like someone's there as a hunter. I've been in the woods and you're just kind of like, man, I'm not going to see anything today or whatever. And then all of a sudden, like that predator instinct in you goes off and the hair comes up on the back mm-hmm. of your neck and you don't hear nothing. You don't see nothing. You don't smell nothing. But you're like, there's a deer here. And, and son of a gun, if a few seconds later that deer doesn't, you hear it, then you see it. And I just think there's some sort of energetic interaction. And it, it, it doesn't have to be mysticism. I think that can be a natural phenomenon because if we could somehow visualize all the energy, every single thing's made up of atoms with these electrons like hauling ass around them at the speed of light. That's, that's, we're energetic beings. And, and I don't think we can ignore that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Maybe on. we can, but maybe we shouldn't. Maybe yeah, we can tap into, we can more effectively live up to our true potential, I think, when we tap into that other layer of, of wisdom, really. Uh, and with that, hello and love, welcome to the light of the infinite wisdom of our creator <laughs> with the Schumann Resonance. Byron.com. Byron.com. Good day, citizen. He always sneaks in this guy. Hawk, we're talking about today's topic is uh, why we think Janet Yellen was a good pick for the Department of Treasury <laughs> <laughs> and how maybe she has a point about some of these concerns over Bitcoin. No, 
We're talking about uh, manifestation and the law of attraction and the role that your mindset plays in uh, success, whether it's business success, success launching a new application, success in relationships, success in creating a more free society. So the first question uh, that we asked while you're off lollygagging uh, on yachts and stuff with hot babes in Florida, uh, is, uh, what, what is your take on the law of attraction? Do you think it's legit? Do you think it's phony? Do you think there's some little middle ground there? I know you mentioned in our chat before that action really has a lot to do with it. Can you uh, expand? Yeah, that? I think, yeah, what Jack was saying as I came in was actually really quite awesome, and I wanted to piggyback off of that. Like everything is made up of atoms, and there is all of this information and energy around us, and we're used to, and in schooling, it does this. It dumbs us down. It makes us less sensitive, less empathic, less clairvoyant. And when you're close with people and you develop like deep relationships and you understand them, people get uncomfortable because when you start seeing them really unmasked from all of their shit, it, it's like being naked and people get uncomfortable with that. So we're taught to not do that to, you know, not not delve into people and not get too close and all of these things. And that naturally shuts down our natural clairvoyance. But, you know, in the old days, natives, even old timers, you know, hillbillies and stuff, they could tell that there was a bunny having sex, you know, in the next, you know, 20 yards away because it was in their field and they were very sensitive to everything that was going on and they didn't feel a separation. So I think there's a level of awareness that, we call spirituality or metaphysics, but I think it's just a natural state that we're dumbed out of. We're taught to get rid of because it's not helpful when really it's the pro most profound, like we are naturally clairvoyant. So we should, we should, in, you know, induce that in ourselves more. Um, I had the benefit of like, you know, not being involved too much in, in society to be able to develop that and not being told it was wrong. Right. In my early, early stage. Um, and yeah, I think the law of attraction is real in that way, insofar as that manifestation without action is just bullshit. And uh, I think I mentioned this in the chat, Thomas Jefferson, I think it was, who said, the harder I work, the luckier I get. Yeah. And I believe that that's the key to it. If you, if you, if we are all atoms and we're all energy and we charge ourselves up, you know, it's like magnets. It, it attracts that which is, is most in alignment with what we're trying to accomplish. Nice. I've been back on the pandemic examples. Uh, when I talk about mindset and manifestation, I like to bring up an example of uh, let's say the lockdowns happened and somebody lost their job. And there's two ways you can show up. There's a variety of different ways, but there's two dichotomies of how you can show up in that in that instance. You can resonate from an energy of depression of woe is me and just get all down. Even your physiology will start to mimic your energy and your mindset. And you're like, God, oh, the freaking government, I hate this. 100%. And, oh, I can't do this. This is so terrible, right? And then maybe you land a job interview, right? And you go into that job interview and you're all resentful and you're upset and you've just been all focused and you've been researching Infowars.com all day and just all pissed off. And and then the person, if they're you know half awake, they can pick up on that. But contrast that with you're like, all right, I lost that gig. You know, I know things are tough right now, but I am a very strong, powerful person. I have a lot of value to offer to the world, and I know that I'm going to be able to land another gig or take it another step further. Maybe this is just the universe giving me a signal to start that little side gig or that side hustle I've been thinking about all this time. And then you're in the right mindset. You feel confident. You believe in yourself. Belief, self-belief, especially our self-image is so important to what kind of success we can have in the world. So I like to give that example because the job interview could go two different ways. They could pick up on the fact that you're 
probably going to be doom and gloomy and, and not a happy camper when you're talking to people at the cash at the cash register. Or they can pick up like, wow, this guy's really got his stuff together. He's conversational. I can tell he's happy. I think that my my client base will really appreciate him. I like to give that practical example. Y'all have any examples from your own personal life where mindset really played a role in achieving some goal? You know, I don't have um, an example on the top of my head, but real quick, I don't have you guys ever hear of that? Uh, you guys know the Japanese scientist Michio Kaku? He's got like the crazy gray hair. Yeah, yeah, he's super smart, dude. He's got um, one of his books. It's either like the future of the mind or the future of humanity. One of the things he says though is that there's a logical explanation for everything, and like he talks about how like when people who are dying, they say they see like a light or they go through a tunnel, and he explains how there's like this whole like reasonable rational explanation for it my point here is that like just because we don't know the reasons why something is happening doesn't mean that there's an illogical reason for it nothing that's ever happened in all of the history of time and space has been contrary to logic so why should we expect all of a sudden now for things to be different see my counter to that would be like my explanation with like being able to sense a deer or sense a person in a room that does, again, it doesn't have to be mystical. That can be that we do have this energetic field that we give off, and exactly, in yeah. right tune, you can you can actually detect it. Now, if that's the case, then if you think of it like a radio, you want to be logical. Like when you tune a radio and you kind of get that sideband where you're not quite on the channel and there's static, and then when you get it just right, the sound comes in perfectly, and then you pick something else up. Assuming that maybe it somehow works like that with us, I don't believe, like I said, that you can – attract stuff because yeah i'm manifesting bitcoins yachts right uh, over here right (laughs) like you know i mean the whole thing the whole world's changing because i want it to then and and again i think that that would take away free will from others however if we have that ability to to send out certain frequencies and to feel certain frequencies then what we may be able to attract is other people of similar mindset in, in various ways I have certainly been like in a bar hanging out and pissed, not in the right state of mind, like pissed off because one of my salespeople back when I had a regular job screwed something up that day and I end up talking to somebody who's dealing with the same shit. And when we end up helping each other out, cause oh, I need, I've been trying to get in this place over here. Oh, I know a guy over there and boom. And that to me, that's not, I attracted the contact, but maybe I did attract the conversation. And that wasn't because I had a smile on my face. Because trust me, the one I'm thinking of, I did not have a freaking smile on my face. I was pissed. But this dude was pissed. And, like, both of us being pissed over the same thing put us in this, like, perfect state to help each other. And to me, that's that could be totally coincidence. I'm open to it. I'm also open to the fact that there is some sort of harmonic attraction at that point. Oh, um... Anybody got any other? Or well, yeah, I already I wanted asked to give you a spot if you wanted to say anything, but I, I definitely have something to say to that. Got some old CJ? No, go ahead. Agreed. Okay, so, sorry. So I do sweat lodges pretty much every moon. That's and, what that smell is. Uh, <laughs> and it's like a deep prayerful experience and deeply spiritual. And then everybody who's in the lodge during that time, we keep in touch on a text thread. And literally every time we do a lodge and the next four days to a week afterwards, everybody's going through a a very, very similar experience in their world and whatever it is. And it's like we're all experiencing the same 
baseline frequency, but in our own different ways. And it's like this, this lesson or learning or something expresses itself through each one of us at the same time, but in our own unique ways. And in so that regard, I think it's like entrainment, you know, like when clocks are near each other and they tick mm-hmm. at the same speed, even if they start at different speeds, like there's a very scientific basis for all of this. In the past, we've just said, oh, spirituality or whatever. But, you know, back to the atomic frequency and, and like attracts like and all of that. It's like there is definitely some some science to it insofar as that if you're holding a positive attitude, you know, I'm amazing. Work is going to work out. Everything's going my way. It just tends to, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you look at what they've done with subatomic particles, right, where they've, you know, now we can actually manipulate them. Right. And we can actually break off like a proton or a neutron from an atom and manipulate it. And so you take these 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 particles that were part of the same atom or even two atoms that were bonded to each other and you separate them and you separate them you know, across a room, which it might as well be across the universe. And you manipulate one to turn the opposite direction of its natural rotation and the other one immediately with no lag. As though they're connected now forever. Okay, we're made of that stuff. Right. That's not that's not a God thing or maybe it is. I don't know. But it's you know, it doesn't have to be that that is a, a, a something that the, the astrophysicists, the physicists, et cetera, experimental physicists have determined, you know, and it it also makes me think of I can't what you remember what you call it now, but where basically the way you observe light, it can either be a particle or a wave, depending on the observer. And you can yeah, change the way it behaves based on your observation of it. Now, I'm sorry, if we can influence the way light behaves by our observation, then there is some level that we're operating on that's beyond what we think of in our day-to-day world. Yeah, but and see, that's there, as scientific as it gets. There's, um, so there's a great book by Sean Carroll who just came out last fall, and he like goes into quantum mechanics and all that stuff. But there's, like a, there's a logical explanation for the observer effect and quantum entanglement and string theory and all sorts of, like, complex advanced theories and the same thing goes for like spooky action at a distance you know just like i said earlier just because we don't understand there's a lot of shit we don't understand i don't understand the process that goes into a tree growing that doesn't mean that it's like there's some sort of mystical explanation to it though you know don't get me started on mystical trees man (laughs) we got trees we got water to the top of the tree that science cannot explain how that tree can pull that water up that tube that high you can yeah, make the strongest it, vacuum pump in the world, and it can't do it, but the tree can. So nice. <laughs> it, it's it's the classic god of the gaps sort of idea, right? That yeah. as, as soon as there's like a thing science can't can't explain, it's like boom, that's God, right? Except that keeps receding every every decade or every generation as science figures more things out, right? I think part of part of the the issue is is you know the the misperception that science is an endpoint. Right, which you get from institutional science, right? From the the science people, right? As in follow the science. Fauci. But but the the whole idea of science is that it's a method. It has no endpoint. Hmm. Right? And so, you know, I'm I'm kind of with Sal that I'm open to the possibility that there are things going on that we don't yet fully understand. At the same time, I'm not ready to accept anyone else's detailed explanation of what it is given that they don't have any any special knowledge like factual knowledge that i don't have Mm. right that's where faith comes from right that's where faith comes into play you just have faith that it's this that or the other without knowing 
And that's okay, right? It's okay not to know. I think a lot of people freak out and get anxious not knowing, but you know, it's good to have some mystery in life or else it's pretty boring. There is something to be said for, uh, anecdotal scientific evidence in the sense that I'm going to try, I have this thesis and I'm going to operate from this thesis and it works and then it works again and then it works again and again. And you're like, okay, if I come from this sort of understanding of things, then, you know, this is leading me down a path that, that sort of works. It's like, you know, step one, fuck around. Step two, find out science, you know, <laughs> um, so I knew Jack I was going to like that one. <laughs> so in the sense that like, there are certain uh, assumptions that I operate with and they have tended to work. And there are certain op- assumptions I've had that have not worked. And so I kind of put those aside and then, you know, continue operating from the ones that, that do work. Now there's no like, Oh, I can then turn around and prove this to somebody, but I can say like, in my experience, I've done this, this, and this, and it tended to work in this way. Yeah. Would you agree, CJ? Likely. Like there's, there, there is a, there is a place for that sort of well, anecdotal. Well, yeah. I mean, it sounds to me like what you're describing is, is pragmatic truth in, in yeah. the sense that if you have a heuristic and it seems to give you the right result, you'll keep doing it now. You know, if you do it consistently and it consistently gives you the same result, then it's probably, um, you know, not just a coincidence, but it could always be that why you think what you're doing is working isn't actually why it's working. Right. And I'm not saying that there's still not merit potentially, like if it's working, keep doing it. Right. But, you know, there's. There's lots of cases, if you go back to like ancient wisdom and things that were very. Um, trying to think of a good example off the top of my head. How about this? Like, How about ancient Israel, right? And and a lot of the the Jewish law. Uh, let's say the law against eating pork. Well, let's say you're operating at a time where people don't know what the hell trichinosis is, right? Right. Exactly. And, and, and good somebody's example. Somebody's like, hey, you know what? God doesn't want us eating pork, and you don't understand. If you cook it fully, you'll be okay. So you don't. And I don't know if you've ever seen what a case of trichinosis looks like, but if you live in a time where you believe in biblical plagues. Right. Bitch ate some pork and look what happened to his ass, right? Like, so yeah, I mean, or let's say that you came up with this religion before doctors washed their hands. And it said that God abhors the absence of cleanliness. And so all of the physicians washed their hands and people stopped dying that they worked on, especially, let's say, women giving birth. So then you become that, that God did it, but because you don't understand that, you know, you have this nasty shit on your hands and you shouldn't be doing this that way. Right. I mean, I think there's a lot of things in, in historical precedent like that. Yeah. Now everyone has faith in the, the science of vaccines. Um, let me, uh, let, let's, uh, let's bring it to some, some, well, we're already talking about grounded practical stuff, but I'd like to give some advice and strategies because I find every person on this call, you know, we all have success in our own, our own right. So, uh, one thing that I think is a great tool is this is something they talk about in the law of attraction. The secret is, uh, what do you call it? A vision board, right? So you put things that you want and you want to manifest and maybe the, like, I want to fly in a private jet or have a private jet one of these days. So that's something that I would put there. I want to have a big property, which we're going to do. We're manifesting that. It's going to happen this year. I'm not saying if or maybe we're going to do it this year. We're going to buy a property and start a little community uh, this year. Uh, so that's a great way to have a visual representation. Then you put it somewhere that you're constantly looking at it, right? Another great strategy is goal setting, right? We should all 
use goals all the time and tune in with those goals, not just a New Year's Eve goal, which everyone does. And then like two weeks later, they're already back to their old ways. But like really check in with the goals. This guy, Grant Cardone, huge follower of hers, the 10X rule. Uh, he talks about writing down your goals every morning and every evening. And you write it down, not like um, my goal is to make X amount of dollars per month, but it's like I make X amount of dollars per month in my business. You write it down as though it's already happening. And the cool thing about doing it every day or every evening, here's a non-success story. I was doing this for a while. I need to get back to it. And one of my goals was I exercise every day and I wasn't exercising every day. And so when you write it down, you feel that inconsistency which is a great tool for agorists as well when you're conscious of the role you play. Like maybe you bank with Chase Manhattan Bank. Like tune in with that. Is that really where you want to put your energy when you could have it in a credit union or better yet, you could use cryptocurrency and cash, right? So writing down these goals is, 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 is very – it helps with success. And I recently – I had a goal. I've had this goal for like six months to a year, and it was X amount of dollars per day in revenue with my business. I centered on it. I focused on it. I kept getting closer and closer. And last month I was able to achieve that goal and yeah. I, I got close and the, the month was kind of, I had this huge sale. It was a super successful sale. One of the best sales I've had. And I could have been satisfied like, Oh wow. I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good right now. I'm, I'm good for the month. I can make all my bills and set some aside for this and invest in that. But because that goal was there in my mind, even though there was like two days left for the, for the month, I was like, you know what? I'm going to have my staff person bang on some phone calls. I'm going to do another little mini sale for the folks that didn't open the email for this sale. I'm going to send out a bunch of text messages, which may have annoyed some of the clients. They can always reply with stop. So if you're one of my clients with Brave Botanicals, you know that I just bombard you with postcards, emails, texts, and stuff. But it was because I had that goal that I didn't rest on my laurels, and I gave it that extra push to achieve that goal. So I think goal setting is absolutely critical, again, not just for business, but you have a goal of like me and the wife. We go out once a week for our alone time, right? The kids get a babysitter. You have a goal of – I am going to invest, I invest, I own this much Bitcoin or I go to this many meetups or whatever. So what, what do y'all think about goal setting? Y'all have any success in gold I, or any strategy? I do, but I want to ask you a question, John. You said you work out every day. When you're working out, do you visualize your goals during the actual workout period? Well, I said I had a goal of working out every day, but you I didn't don't work out. Oh, oh, gotcha. Okay. You fucked that but, up. But in writing down the goal, I felt that inconsistency that should have yeah. driven me to work out every day, but no. Okay, so the, the, the reason why I bring that up is when I, I do calisthenics with my kids in the morning before they go to school, like jumping jacks, you know, nice. just like leg ups and, you know, squats and planks. And during the plank period, it's just like a minute long, 60 seconds, and that minute long plank, I'm visualizing my goals. And what I'm doing is it's like, I'm imagining that all of my muscles that I'm building or, or leaning up or whatever are being crafted into the person that is that vision. Like I'm looking at my phone and seeing my bank account on a boat, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm seeing the future and I'm like, like almost like tightening the magnetic field that I am into that structure, into that moment. Cool. Yeah. Like I'm tuning my frequency, my bodily frequency and all my atoms, my thinking into that future moment. So it's it's kind of like along the lines of the law of attraction and whatever, but it's like I'm taking that creative juice and crafting the physical being that is that vision, if that makes any sense. I want some of those Xavier Hawkins. Make, making it physically, you know? 
Yeah, visualization is critical. That's that. And a good thing um, is to visualize where you want to be and use that as something to pull you towards that rather than focusing so much energy on where you don't want to be or where you're at or like being broke or your little amount of money in your bank account. If you focus on that, then you're going to be in that space. But if you focus on where you want to be and you visualize this lovely, beautiful life frolicking in the forest, you know, and so on and so forth, then it helps increase the chances, I think, of that, of being able to achieve that. Yep. Anybody else got any thoughts on goals or the role they play? Y'all set goals regularly? Definitely. I've had some stuff though that is, you know, could be totally coincidental, but it's, it's, it's a bit odd, honestly. Like one of my goals on you have these big picture long term goals for your career and all. I, I had this goal many, many years ago. I want to be quoted alongside like really great people like Thomas Jefferson and stuff like I want, you know, my, my quote sitting alongside theirs. Well, you know, back, I think it was 2014 or 2013, uh, Diego Footer did Permaculture Voices One. He had me speak there and he was a, it was a really top level, well put together event. And he had this big, beautiful, uh, program that they handed out to everybody in their bags. And the whole back of it was covered with all these quotes. And somebody said, did you see you're, you're on the program with a quote? And I thought, oh, that's nice, right? Like, well, of course I am. I'm a keynote speaker. You know, I'm somebody that's there. No, none of the other speakers were on there. I was the only person in that list of quotes that was even alive. Nice. And that's one of those things where you at least get a little bit open to maybe you are sending some shit out in the universe and maybe it is answering you and maybe not, but that's a, it's a type of thing. Another one would be the, the, I remember right after my wife and I moved to Arkansas, she said, well, where do you think this is going? I said, well, I'll tell you what, this year I'll be on Glenn Beck. And she's like, well, why do you think that? Have they reached out to you? I'm like, no, I haven't heard jack yeah. shit from them. So are you trying to get on the show? I'm like, no. It was like two months later they called me up and said, hey, do you want to come down to Texas and be on Glenn's show? I mean, I straight that. out of the blue. So, you know, I mean, part of that is it's a logical fit that I would get on a show like that eventually or whatever. But there's also – I believe there is something to this. And, and I'm with with like CJ. I don't, it, I don't think it or, – or Sal. Like I don't necessarily think it can't be explained. Or that it has to do with some sort of, um, you know, spirituality necessary. But I, I do think we do have some sort of ability to influence others. You know, that could also just cause, again, we influence ourselves the most. I could have said certain things and done certain things on the air that led one person to talk to another person that that's not really a, an attraction, but yet in some ways, what else do you call it? I like that. Yeah. It happens. But I'm okay saying I don't know. I don't know what you call it. And that's okay. Got some CJ? Yeah, yeah. Um, when it comes to setting goals, I have found more success myself with the whole approach of focus on process, not product. So in other words, focus on doing the things that you know are the right things to do and then letting the, the, the result you want take care of itself, right? So it's, it's like instead of, like if you were trying to lose weight, right? Which is, which is a, a you know, thing I've, I've been through. I think if you fixate on, I want to be this many pounds or, you know, whatever this, this much BMI or what have you, that you're just my experience with that. And with other things I've, I've achieved some success with is that when I fixate too much on the end point, I usually don't do well. And instead I do, I do better when I fixate on immediately the process. So instead of saying, you know, I want to lose a hundred pounds, it's tomorrow. 
I'm going to wake up and do the things I need to do. I'm going to eat this and not that. I'm going to work out. I'm going to do this. So focus on process, not product. And, you know, I, I found the same thing with my podcast and, you know, it could be big or whatever, but I've got somewhat of a following and what have you. And I didn't think, oh, I want this many listeners by this weekend or whatever. I thought in terms of, all right, every day I'm going to get up and I'm going to try to put as much as I can into the things I know will make this better. And I just did that. So I don't know. I, I guess some people are different psychologically, but I've always been better at focusing on the process, not the product. Yeah. Well, you can do both, right? Like if you begin with the end in mind and you've come up with where you want to be, right? But I think the the process is absolutely critical. And when you were describing that, I was thinking habits. That was the word that was coming to my mind, developing habits, which are so important, the habits and how do we get from here to there. And you really have to cultivate like a daily ritual almost in order to achieve some of this stuff. So, yeah, I appreciate appreciate that. Well, yeah. Anybody else got any other strategies? Like let's let's see if we can convey any practical tips and strategies that our listeners can utilize in order to find greater success in their lives. I got one. I got one. So one thing that's worked for me is just to surround yourself with people who are already Mm. successful in the things that you want to do. One trick that I would do when I lived back up north is like whenever I felt myself get into like this funk and like start to like just be like my friends and everybody did like couch potatoes and shit like that. I would drive myself down to Washington, D.C. and just, like, go see, like, all the rich houses and, like, look at all the fancy suits and shit like that. Or, like, take a ride through the rich neighborhood, like, the Beverly Hills of your area. Look at those houses. Look at the things that those people have. And if that doesn't motivate you, you know, obviously you don't want to feel envious. You want to feel motivated, not envious. Otherwise, you're just, like, a scumbag. So A Democrat. Yeah, so surround yourself (laughs) with successful people. The other thing, though, John, too, is, is this is a lot of this comes down to knowledge, right? Again, like it's all about information. The more information you have about a subject, the more likely you are to be successful in it. So if you if you just jump into something in a state of ignorance, your chances of, quote unquote, manifesting success are very slim. But if you know more about it, you have a better chance of making it happen. Yeah. And the more you know, the more knowledge you have, the more wisdom you have, the more confidence you have. You believe exactly. in yourself more. It makes it easier to do stuff. And then more, the more other people see you, and they, 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 they can have confidence in you. And then that sort of leads to more opportunities and so on and so forth. Yeah. I, I would do the same thing, actually. It's, it's really cool that you said that, Sal. Like, I would pretend that, you know, I'm like, I'm in this lifestyle. And I would go and I would feel like what it feels to be like that and to be there, you know, and, and like play pretend like kids, you know. Kids who play doctor eventually grow up to be doctors. Kids who right. play house eventually grow up. To, so it's got to have that sort of like innocence and, you know, like the Buddha says, you know, uh, beginner's, beginner's mind. mind. Yeah. That's actually a part of the law of attraction. It's to act as if, right? So yeah. if your goal is to be fit and healthy and have enough energy to keep up with your kiddos, that's one of the motivators for me to get in shape and eat well. So I, so I'm not like worn out tossing my kids around because I love to throw them around and throw them on the bed and do tickle fights and stuff. But it's like act as if you're healthy. And then in the moment you're like, okay, I'm going to act as if I'm already healthy and I'm already super fit and have great energy. And then you're like about to pull into the drive through or the fast food joint. You're like, wait a second. This isn't how I would act if I was that, right? And you just, I think mindfulness plays a big role in all this stuff too, because I had this realization. I was like pounding Tony Robbins books and was getting into Buddhism and stuff. And I was like, okay, this makes sense. I understand what I ought to be doing to get from here to there. 
But in the moment, I wasn't doing it. And when you can tune in, we can be present in the moment, then you can be conscious in the moment that you're writing a check and it says Chase Manhattan there or that you are you want to be a peaceful parent, you know, that your kids love and adore, but you're raising your voice. You can catch that in the moment. And if you're not mindful, you're simply carrying out a program that's been imparted upon you and you really don't have freedom. Everyone worries about political freedom, but just freedom in our everyday lives to control our faculties, I think, is even more critical. You I know, also that, that, think um, no, I was going to say, like, um, it, again, like, it's just it's all about knowledge. Like, if you're doing something, if you have a bad habit, like, I, like back in the day, I used to smoke cigarettes and I wanted to quit. And, like, I would have a hard time quitting. But that was only because I was ignorant of, like, the true damage that I was doing to my body. Right. Mm. So if you have a bad habit, it's probably just that you lack knowledge about how bad it actually is. If you knew the true damage that driving into that fast food line was going to do to your body, yeah. then you probably wouldn't want to do it in the first place. That's the only point I wanted to make. No, it's good. Another practical thing that I do is I, I dress like I'm successful, right? I like and, that. It, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, literally, I used to always dress like a fucking biker that was about to get into a brawl. Like, I still carry my knife when I wear my suit. I'm like, still got that, that realness, that ability to run into the forest and survive. But I stopped just dressing like a biker all the time. And then I went to like three piece suits. I don't, I still haven't figured out like business casual in between. It's like either, you know, I'm about to get into a fight or I'm about to, you know, show up at a, at a business meeting. But once I started doing that, like it made me, even if I was just sitting and writing contracts or doing paperwork or doing, you know, computer work, like it made me feel like that mm. successful, like I was a little bit closer to that vision, you know? And yeah. so that, that I I recommend dressing for the part that you want to. That's gold. I want to do that too. I have one staff person here in my office and I'm like, oh, well, maybe when I have a bigger enterprise and I'm, we're having meetings and stuff, but yeah, just go ahead and do it. And then you feel all powerful and like really with it. I, I think clothing actually can do a lot for you and it doesn't have to necessarily be like a power tire or whatever. Like when I first got into sales, the thing I hated doing the most was cold calling and I wasn't afraid of it. And I'd and 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 I, I didn't mind being told no, but I didn't like it. So when you don't like something, you always put it last. So I was always doing my cold calling like between four and five when people are trying to get out of the office. They don't want to freaking talk to you anyway, but they really don't want to talk to you then. And so I did some research and I found like between nine and ten was like the best time to do your cold calls. And I also found some research that say your cold your initial cold call to somebody should be two minutes or less. Well, that means I can make thirty calls in an hour. Yeah, that's that's plenty of call cold calls for a day. You're back to doing RFPs and stuff like that. And uh, and at the same time, I figured that out. I realized that when I would go to the gym and I had my like, lifting gloves on and shit, and I had just pounded out like a couple sets, and you have that kind of adrenaline coursing through you, you're like, I'll kick anybody's ass in this place. And you know you won't because there's some dude over there with arms like this. But you have that feeling. So this is going to sound really stupid, but what I did, I told my boss, I said, between 9 and 10, I'm cold calling. Leave me the fuck alone. I'm going to go in my office. I'm going to close the door. No one talks to me. No one comes near me. And I'd go in there, and I had this full-length mirror on the on the door, and I would freaking put lifting gloves on. Mm. And I'd put cool. my phone on speakerphone, and I would just sit there like I was getting ready to do a set. And I had this energy going, and I would just pound out. And I would get you know 25 to 35 calls done in that hour. And then I'd go back to my rest of my day and my numbers went through the freaking roof. Nice. And I don't that's think that's like mysticism or the law of attraction. It was a mindset and it was conveying a sense of urgency that I really can't help you. I don't want to waste your time and getting off the phone quick, right? 
that that conveyed that okay when 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 Jack Spierko calls me I'm not going to get telemadide syndrome like right. they tell their gatekeeper like tell this motherfucker anything <laughs> so that he doesn't talk to me ever again now they're like when he says he's going to be brief he means it because how many of y'all have got an email from somebody who says I know your time's valuable so I'll be brief and then it's like this essay you know? and then what do you do fucking delete like because yeah right so like you get on you get off and that mindset and and like as stupid as it sounds those gloves. Put me in that gym mindset, which is where I need to be for that. Yeah, no, it's not stupid at all. Nobody wants to fucking talk to you when you cold call them. I mean, nobody. Yeah. It goes both ways. Uh, the physio- physiological presence that you have, right? So, like, if you're depressed and you're upset and you're anxious, you have a tendency to, you know, kind of slunch over, right? And if you're slunched over like that and you're doing your cold, cold call, it'll come off in the way that you communicate. And uh, Tony Robbins always talks about this. Like, if you're feeling down like literally down, lift yourself up, you know, and smile, force yourself to smile. And you'll find that that can help with your mindset. Right. And so it goes both ways. Like if you're feeling down, you'll go down. But if you're conscious and you're like, oh, I'm feeling down right now, let me go ahead and do some jumping jacks or pick up those weights. Right. Or put on my three piece suit. Then it'll help you help you get in the zone. And I think on the on the dress, like, you know, like if Xavier feels really great when he's wearing a three piece suit, then he should. But if you don't, then that's maybe not what you should do. Maybe yeah. you find your thing. Yeah. You know, like if you see me in a suit, somebody died. I'm going to court or somebody's <laughs> getting married. That, that's, that's it. Otherwise I, I did, I, I've done several keynotes where I've, I'm dressed like this and, and everybody else is in suits. And I'm like, well, I'm here to talk to you about living your dream. My dream is not to dress like y'all. <laughs> so I'm not going to come here counter to what I believe. And then tell you you can do anything you want. Well, I can't even wear the clothes I want. Mm. And it usually gets like a big applause and shit, too, because people appreciate that genuine nature. And I think if you want to talk about law of attraction, again, I think if we attract anything, it's other people. Because we we interact with other people. Therefore, we can. Like, I don't, I, I really can't be clear enough. I do not believe I can attract a thing, right? But I do believe I can attract people. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And people, we need people to get the things that we to want in life, things. right? Right. Yeah. And to bring things, right? Yeah. Nothing's going to just float on over. All right. We got like 30 minutes left if we stick to an hour and a half. Let's talk about, you know, I, everyone talks about success and manifestation for business and for healthy relationships. Let's talk about how we, us on the podcast and the listeners, how can we manifest a free society? Because we deserve better than what we got. Anybody got any takes on that? Hawk, you're working on an app to help achieve that. What, what else you got going? Yeah. So, <clears throat> the number one thing I've experienced as a as a kind of like irking point in the whole agorist community, and no offense intended, but it's the idea that we have to stay out of the way of the beast or the system. And if we're doing that, we're just we're acknowledging that it's bigger, better, better, stronger. And that's just not where I live. I'm like. If we recognize that we have a vision of what we want for the future, then we're bigger, better, better, stronger because they're not actually building a positive vision of the future. They're building one that does not benefit anybody but them. But we all in the agorist community would actually build a community or build a vision that would benefit everybody because that's how we know everybody will leave us the fuck alone. Right. If we do something that actually honors and and supports everybody around us then we'll build a society that is actually the kind of one that we would all want to be a part of. We wouldn't have to avoid anything. We would genuinely go about our days and our businesses in such a way that would be supportive of the community around us because those are our core values. And I think when we understand that, 
then we can, as a collective will have more power with a, a, the same frequency of a, of a potential, you know, we'll call that into existence. If we have an inspiring vision of vision board vision of what we want to see for the world. Cause I mean, the amount of energy and um, activity in this community is really dope. It's really amazing, really inspiring. And if we put that all in the same kind of framework, then it's like, that'll happen. Not the fucking new world order agenda 2021 or 2030. Are you referring to like political activism? Is that what you, cause you referenced something at the beginning. You mean like a lot of agorists don't want to do that and frown upon that, but you think that we could make waves in that arena or what, what, what action were you? Oh, not necessarily political. I mean, just building a society ourselves. And it doesn't even have to be like instead a of political. checking out. Is that what you mean? Instead of checking out, yeah, like, like, underground. Like yeah, like Buckminster Fuller said, let's build something better, yeah, and then outperform the bullshit that's there that we're trying to avoid. Yeah, that's the great strategy. Make it obsolete. That's what crypto literally to, is doing. Yeah, we all have to figure out what that looks like together, and then not beat each other up enough so that we can actually get there and stop being like, well, you're this libertarian and you're that libertarian. It's like, yeah. well, fuck, you know, if we if we keep all of our energy doing that, that exactly feeds the shit that we don't want. Yeah. yeah that's a big problem. I think open living our va- openly living our values is, is a huge part of it. I think like, you know, John, you were talking about the mask mandate being left from Texas. And I, I think we should be clear for those that don't know, like the mask mandate in Texas was not like the mask mandate in California. It applied to businesses indoors and it was up to the business to enforce it. And also people like John and I went, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just not going to fucking do this. And so oh, I, I know you've had this experience, John, where you like you walk into a Walmart or something like that and you're free breathing. You know, there's actually a name for it. We're free breathers. <laughs> Holy shit. There's a name. You're walking around and you start seeing people look at you and they're like, well, and then they look at everybody else and then they look at you and they're like, well, fuck this. And then, they yeah. Come, and then like somebody else is like, and then somebody else is like, they won't really take it off, and they just kind of like they chin beard it, you know. And it's yeah. like just by walking in there and giving not a fuck, yeah, you've changed the way that other people are behaving. And if you can do that with something like a face diver, I think we can do it with so many things. You know, I I know that all of you guys that do podcasts, you've had people in your audience start a podcast because they saw you do it. And they're like, if this fucker can do it in his car or, you know, whatever, this guy can do it while he's on Kratom or whatever, then I can do that <laughs> shit too, right? Like, that, that the, living the example instead of talking about – because I think that's one of the problems that libertarians have, and I think far more than anarchists. I think once you – like, that's actually, maybe that's where it changes. Like, you go from libertarian to anarchist, and anarchist is like, well, I'm just going to fucking do it. Yeah. And I think when you start – living the way that you talk about it, instead of just talking about it, then that other people look at it and go, well, if he can do it, you know, Billy Dean wrote a song that was in the Lane Frost movie, right? If, if they, he can and I can. And then that, that mindset, I think just is very contagious. I think that's like yeah. a positive virus or something. That's great. I even, I find myself sometimes with something in specific, me and my girlfriend are talking about it and she's like, well, maybe you should do this just to cover your butt. And I'm like, you know, I talked to Jack about that once. He's not doing it. He's got a much bigger audience than I am. So I think I'm going to be okay. That's the metric. <laughs> I take no responsibility if we both hang together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Better to be together. We, there's a, so there was a, there's a Facebook group in Austin. It's a homeschooling group. And 
they people found that when when people would be like, hey, we're having this meetup, mask optional, the admins would delete it and stuff. So somebody yeah. created a second uh, homeschooling group, and I'm like, great, this is great. Now I know where my tribe is, and in yeah. the group we call it Smile Friendly. It's smile friendly. Smile friendly homeschool. Smile friendly, yeah. But no, you make a great point. Showing, leading by example. Um, you know, my good friend Derek Bros, he's loud and proud about the fact he wasn't for a while, but now he is about the fact that it doesn't pay taxes. And people are like, well, that's risky, and that's you know, you could get in trouble. But it's like people kind of need more people to stand up for them to be like, oh, like I did with you, Jack. Oh, well, Jack's doing it, so I think I'll be okay. Uh, I think that's really important. What What do you got on that old Mister the Agorist? You're uh. You're pretty consistent agorist down there. Have you found that you, you inspire people by talking openly about your agorism? Um, I guess a lot of times I get people who are like, oh, I'm so afraid to stop paying taxes. Like, what's going to happen? Like, think about all the bad things that can happen if I don't pay my taxes. I just say, think about all the bad things that happen when you do pay your taxes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's so good. What's worse? What's worse? You know, yeah. I mean, to me, it really goes back to what Jack was saying. You have to lead by example, right? It's. Once you, and, and really what he was saying, it all comes down to in, internalization, right? Once you accept the fact that you are already free, then you behave that way, right? Once you, once you accept that no one can own your body, then the idea of some politician putting a muzzle on you is just completely foreign, mm-hmm. right? It, it doesn't even enter into my mind. So again, like I just echo what Jack said and, and lead by example. Yeah. What For about the record? I pay my taxes. I just don't <laughs> yeah. pay any of them. Me too. I, I, I just don't pay very many. I also I, do. I, I have this thing called a CPA and a tax yeah. attorney and a corporate structure. And I tend to spend a lot of my money in my business. Yep. If I fly somewhere, the, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got from a, 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 a cohort was, if you don't fly first class, you're stupid because you could spend the money or they can take it from you. And I've kind of taken that and run with it everywhere. And when you run something like a podcast or a content creation business, if your if your CPA tells you no more than like one out of five times as to can I deduct this, you need a new CPA that's more <laughs> creative, right? Like right. you can deduct. I, I don't do this, but it, it literally goes to the point. If I were to write up a review on a certain brand of toilet paper and the way it felt when I wiped my ass with it, at least that pack of it I could deduct because it is directly relevant to my business. And, and that, I mean, like if you want the business that has the most tax deductions, it's being an author. Cause everything you write about, if you had to buy the thing you wrote about, you can go have lunch every freaking day, right? Yeah. And then you, you do a review of the <laughs> restaurant and now it's a tax. Like you can either do it in the business. Tweets count as published works. <laughs> exactly. Right. So if you go have lunch, like Xavier comes here and we have lunch together and we just talk about business. Well, I write that out of 50%. But if I'm a food critic, and I, I ate that meal for the purpose of writing an article. I write it mm. off at a hundred percent. That's pretty good. And, and like, so like I, I say this all the time. The tax code is this much of what you have to do. And the rest of it, the other 90% is how you fucking get out of it. Yeah. So that's my form of agorism there because I want access. So like to me with agorism, when it comes to the, the business and the taxes and everything, you do a calculation. And if I can make more money in the system, 
yeah. at least with part of my operation, then I'm putting that part of my operation in the system. And if I if I can do better out of the system, then I move that part of my operation out of the system. Like I said, in my movies, it's like, hey, we're a legitimate business, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, what I mean, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Right? the butcher shop. The, the whole idea is is to minimize your tax burden. You want to reduce the amount of dollars that you put in the hands of these psychopaths to the greatest degree possible. And if that means you have to file your taxes to do it, then by all means, I I, I support that 100. percent We're all looking like Hillary Clinton compared to Sal over here. Yeah. So, wait, wait, actually, are you implying actually, that honestly, people- as soon as he gets off the air with us, he's going to be like, you're a bunch of little bitches. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that begs a question. I'm going to put on my Guy Fox mustache and, and beard here for, for a second. You already have it on. <laughs> I, I know. I'm just going to invoke it a little bit more. Right? Nice. Um, the, the, the question I have for you is what would it take to organize a great tax walk off or walk away? Right. To like, cause I think the problem there is like, if people don't want to, what Sal said before really, really just stuck home is like, are you, you're, look at what you're paying for, right? We're literally paying for genocide, war, shit that we definitely don't agree with. So what happens if we just withhold that money? I mean, they'll print more, right? But the, can they come after everybody? And what's the threshold that we can find where everybody agrees anonymously or whatever that we're all going to do it? And there's enough of, faith in all of our human being cohorts that we're going to be like, yeah, you know what? Fuck off. You're not taking my money. And what happens when like a hundred million, well, what happens when a million people don't do it? You know, freedom cells. So, so, um, so, so, you know, I you think guys, the thing there and John probably can think of the lady on Sheila, she, Sheila Jackson Lee, Sheila Lee. That's Jackson. her, yeah. right? Like, so I think that plan works, but if there's a, if there's a leader of that plan, that person goes straight to club fed. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Or when you know, like, so there has to be completely leaderless. And I mean, I don't know. There's already millions of people that don't pay taxes under like, you know, Curtis's free man stuff. And, right. and I'm skeptical of it, but there are millions of people that don't even do like Sal just says, fuck off. I'm not filing. Like these people literally file. And say, I don't have, under your definition, the way they do it, they say, under your definition of what income is, yeah. I don't have any. Exactly. I mean, I got money. Right. I don't have income, so I don't have income tax. Yeah, there's no and, gain. And, yeah. and they do get away with it, by and large. I mean, the people that go to the prison are always like, uh, what, the Peter Schiff's dad, right? Erwin Schiff, yeah. It's Lee. Like, these are the people they always come get. Yeah. And that couple up in New Hampshire where they had the helicopters come raid them. I forget yeah. their name. They were classic. I to, I always like to throw out my goal. I think I turn some people off, but they're not the folks that I'm looking for anyway. Like I want to grow the Freedom Cell Network. We're now almost 20,000 people. It was it was 1,000 before COVID, right? And then yeah. it was like 12,000. We did the greater reset. Now it's almost 20,000 people. But I'd like to see whenever a good number of people, like we all opt out. And in some some ways, they're going to be the freaking into your house, dude. We're going to turn TV on. There's going to be freaking <laughs> helicopters going, freaking black suit dudes roping. No, it'll be in your workshop, really. No. <laughs> uh, I think the property tax is a bigger thing to worry about sometimes yes. than the income tax because yeah. there's your house right there, and it's something that can be taken. But I mean, like oh, like Hawk was saying, you own your property. Yeah. Money store. But Hawk was saying, like, what is that number? I don't know. Hundred thousand people, million people, it may so, not even be that many. We need to be in close proximity to get each other's back is what's important. Is there even the hope so of it, that though? I mean, it was either South or North Dakota a few years ago. They had a ballot initiative where they could have voted away all property tax in the state and the bastards didn't do it. Wow. Well they had like, Dominion Service. What are you thinking? Yeah. 
<laughs> what are you thinking? Like you could literally like I don't vote, but I guarantee you if there was a measure on the Texas, you know, ballot that said we will get rid of all property tax in the state of Texas. Not only would I vote, I would be ballot harvesting. I would be driving fuckers down <laughs> there like, you know, like I would do all the Democrats do all the time. <laughs> yeah. Like I would have the Jack Spearco bus going around. Calling up Hillary. Picking yeah. up homeless people. But yeah. they had the smart, pragmatic Dominion yes. voting system there. There's no way that could have passed. Yeah. I mean, there are 80 million people who probably don't want to pay their taxes right now based on how the election went. You There's know? probably 80 million people who don't pay any tax There's... anyway, and they're the ones that are all for it. Yeah. So, you know? like, in, in, in 1996, when Erwin Schiff ran for president, it was probably the last – well, besides – party? Well, I didn't know he ran for president. Yeah, and there's the Libertarian Party. Um, he didn't get the nomination, but he gave this brilliant, brilliant speech at the convention. Everybody should watch it. And I think he gives a number. I'm pretty sure it's like 76%, he says. If we can get tax compliance under 76%, and it's it's pretty freaking close right now. It's at like maybe, maybe like 80% compliance. But if we can get below 76%, he calculated, again, this is back in 96 that the state wouldn't uh, would have to collapse. Of course, now, you know, the majority of the state's revenue comes from the Federal Reserve printing press. So it's a little bit different. But that was the magic number at one point. I know X had mentioned that. Okay. well, that's something to start with. There we go. We talked about goals earlier. Yeah. Goals and mindset, folks. Everybody out there, just focus on everybody not paying their taxes as a theoretical experiment. The thing is, the thing is about the income taxes, it's, it's literally slavery. There's no difference. Yeah. For like it, it's, you, know, you know, the, the antebellum slave owners in the deep south would keep 100% of a slave's production. And nowadays that you get, that you get to keep 40% of your production. And now we're supposed to think that we're free. Right. Not only that, but it also presupposes right off the bat that they have the right to, to collect your income without you even having anything to say about it. Um, now, of course, we don't believe in the, the utility of pieces of paper here to stop tyrants. But if you go by what the Constitution says, right, you, you like in order for them to deprive you of life, liberty or property, right, the keyword property, they have to you have to be given due process of law. They have to show that you're guilty of some crime or something. And none of that happens during the income tax. And a lot of this is, is the case that Erwin Schiff was making. And, and he made it so well that, that he died in a prison cell because of it. Hmm. You got any history, CJ, on the 16th Amendment? There's this guy named Red Beckman that wrote this book, The Law That Never Was. And he lays out how the 16th Amendment was ne- the tax, the income tax was never properly ratified uh, constitutionally. Are you hip to any of that? I've never delved really deeply into that whole rabbit hole. Um, my view is it, it, it's parchment one way or the other. So, you know, the kind of Spooner answer, which is either the Constitution and the laws okayed this or it didn't and they're doing it anyway. So, I don't know. That, that's that's what keeps me out of the whole it. like sovereign citizen tactic yeah. and all yeah, that right. stuff. They're still like, going to crush you. I believe the Supreme Court ruled that the 16th Amendment gave the Congress no new powers. But that was also interpreted to be they could have taxed you anyway, that they didn't need it to tax you. Since they had the power to levy tax in the first place, they had the power to levy tax on anything, including bat suits. But what what comes down to is what's the definition of income? So income can be defined as what a corporation receives. Yeah. Right. So Corporate I go gains. work for John 
He has income. I have wages. Yeah, it's an even exchange. Yeah. The wage for the pay, the the hours that you put in for the wage that's even. Right. It's supposed to be like your stock. You have a stock and it goes up. That's a gain. That's what it originally started as. Right. Originally started for federal employees, and then it just you know the mission creep always creeps. Good old in. Abraham Lincoln, the biggest tyrant ever. I love that guy. Yeah. I think people are interpreting the Constitution. <laughs> I think that people are interpreting the Constitution as the Pirates Code. They're not set rules. They're more like guidelines. Right. Yeah, and then running all over it. Well, we started this uh, hour talking about manifestation for a free society. We have, we have CJ's the a little little more uh, risk averse than we are. Maybe it's less risk averse, but let's hear from you, CJ. As far as a historical perspective, do you think we're closer now to manifesting a free society in this country than we were back in the day? I, I mean, we have technology, we have a huge movement, people are connected, but obviously there was less government and less onerous stuff. What what can you share, like a historical perspective, where we're at on the time? line of freedom and slavery uh it's it's on a razor's edge could go either way and there's about a zillion variables pushing it in different directions that's that's my my cowardly lawyerly uh historian answer right there there are there are definitely you you could you could list factors on either side and say like all these things seem to push in the direction of freedom and um these these things seem to push in the direction of ah things are going to get more tyrannical and whatever and yeah. you know at the end of the day it's it could go either way and even just looking at something I've been reading it uh, reading more about recently that I already knew about but now I'm delving deeper and deeper is the collapse of the Soviet Empire and you know the Soviet Union and the Warsaw Pact and. If you look at all the different countries that either, you know, were Warsaw Pact countries that overthrew communism or they were Soviet, previously Soviet republics that then broke away, some of them have done very well since the end of the Cold War and the fall of the Iron Curtain, and some of them have done not so well. And it really, it, it, it's just so complicated and, and could fall in so many directions. And this simultaneously makes it for me Interesting as an historian watching it all play out in real time and also a little bit worried because I know it can go off the rails, right? And and just because one system that's obviously corrupt and full of problems uh, falls apart doesn't always necessarily mean that what replaces it will be better. So a lot of it depends on what we can do. Yeah, it'd be a heck of a lot easier if it was a dictatorship. Just as long as I'm the dictator, to quote George Bush. Somebody in the YouTube comments corrected me earlier. Everyone was like, I, I was like, oh yeah, Sheila Jackson Lee. And everyone's like, oh yeah, John knows his history. <laughs> That's a hardcore Democrat congresswoman oh, yeah. from Houston. Um, her name's Sherry Jackson. Thank you. Yeah. Shout out in the YouTube comments. Um, and then someone was also was asking about the 10X guy. This guy has like literally contributed to changing my life. Obviously, it's my actions and activity that changes my life. But his inspiration, since I started listening to him a couple Februarys ago, I haven't 10xed my business revenue and income, but I've managed to 5x my business revenue. So I'm halfway there, and it's 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 changed a lot in my life, which is great. But his name's Grant Cardone, GrantCardone.com. The dude's a freaking ah, that's it. 
Yeah. Uh, Jack was talking about cold calls and everything. He's a super sales expert. Uh, if you're in the car industry, maybe you've heard of him, but it's not just sales. It's success and money. He's a family guy. He's got a private jet. He was addicted to drugs for quite some time. He hit rock bottom and then he, like, he hated his sales job selling cars, but he realized he hated it because he didn't know how to sell. And he's like, you know what? I got nothing going on in my life. I'm going to learn how to sell. And he's turned it into like a $2 billion. Uh, real estate empire, super cool guy. And he's hip on the mask stuff and the COVID stuff. And he talks about the new world order. Sometimes it's not a huge element of his, of his spiel, but Hawk, did you, there was another question. You want to feed us that question there about yes. the, the cheese? So, um, actually GS says, I just popped in to say, I love the ducktail shirt, CJ. Somebody's a big fan of your shirt right there. But the yeah. question is, um, from Artemis Selena, is it moral to take government handouts to weaken the state? In order to weaken the, the the strength of the state, I think it's true. So not just to take state. government handouts if you need them, but to take them as a way to debilitate the state. Oh yes, that's that's the whole point, right? Anything that you can do to weaken these bastards, do it. So get on welfare that that disempowers that's, the state. If you yeah. if you could if you could first of all any money you've that you can receive in welfare that you they've already extorted more than that amount from you. So it's not really. I'm not, that's not to say that I believe in like communism or anything like that, but if you can get something from these bastards, you should take it. But then you create the, like you create the need for the welfare office and the bureaucrats behind it and, and then they say, oh look, they need it. So we need it. We need, we need more money. So it it, doesn't it just like create, enable the vicious cycle? Sure. I cashed my check that they handed out the stimulus check. I cashed that shit quick. Yeah. Invested in my business. Turn it into crypto or invest into business. That would have been a winning play if you did that when they gave 1200 out. Yeah. I think what it depends on is if you, if you take a government handout, welfare, stimulus, call it what subsidy, whatever you want to, if it causes you to become dependent, it makes them stronger. If you don't need it, but you take it anyway and you use it to further your own shit, then it, then it not only weakens them, but it makes you stronger. And the way I look at it, kind of what Sal was saying, like these bastards have been taking money for me since I got my first job when I was fucking 14. Mm -hmm. I I will worry about the morality of taking money from those tricks (laughs) the day that the scales balance. And I'm probably going to die before that ever happens, even as good as I am at working the code. So fuck them. I'll take every damn penny I can get. However, if it was like, well, Jack, you know, if you do this and you go on disability, then you can get disability for the rest of your life. But that means you can't run your business. No, then fuck that. Right. That's that's not about a moral decision. That's like that's a dumb decision. Now I'm 100 percent dependent on them. So if I can get it, no strings attached or to do something I was going to do anyway, if I decide to put solar on my roof. Yes, I'll take the solar subsidy because the bastards have been stealing my money for 30 years, right? Like, but I'm not going to put solar on my roof only to get the subsidy. If I was a farmer, I'm not going to farm in a way that's inconsistent with what I want to do just for subsidy. But if what I want to do, and maybe I can tweak a little bit, maybe, well, I put an extra cover crop in or I put a high tunnel in. And if I put a high tunnel in, NRCS will pay 80% of it. If I put a cover crop down, I'm putting a high tunnel in now. And and so that's kind of where I'm at with it. But the day you become dependent on it, I kind of look at it like I sell as an affiliate. I sell a lot of shit that goes on Amazon. That's that's like it's nice money, but I will not ever see it as money I have to have because they might take it away. And therefore, I might do things that would corrupt me to keep it if I needed it. So don't ever need it, but take all you can get. Fuck them. 
Yeah. <laughs> Did you tell us how you really feel? Anybody else got anything on that front? Yeah. So I, I just want to add, like, the the bigger they get, the more unstable they become. Right. So it's like that's the whole lesson of agorism is that like it's all about entropy. Right. It's like centralized systems are inherently unstable and like they tend towards a more distributed model. So like that's that, that that's really the whole essence of agorism. Right on. Right so what on, if there were right a Bitcoin bail fund for everybody who decided they weren't going to pay taxes and everybody agreed and they, like they could see the wallet and there was enough Bitcoin there that if you got, you know, snagged or put in the pokey that there'd be enough money there for bail. Not, let's use the let's use the fire on do the fire on UBI for that. that. That would be interesting. The problem with bail is it only gets you out until your court date when they throw you the hell back in. I mean, that's, or until you can get to Mexico. Yeah, yeah, and, and plane tickets to Mexico. And plane tickets now you got some. <laughs> and a COVID test. We have to go to Saipan with Vin. Yeah. Nice, nice. The well, long lost get us in US territory, right? So. Right on. Well, let's. Uh, we're coming up on the end time here. The end is not. Byron.com. Freedomcells.org. Um, okay, let's go around the circle and maybe share one thing that people can do to help manifest a free society. Ideally, something that we're doing ourselves. Let's start with you, CJ. Comparative advantage. Figure out what you're really good at relative to everybody else and pursue that. Nice. What about you, Mr. The Agorist? And anything that we haven't covered so far, I think the big thing in terms of manifesting a free society is again, like just to echo what we were talking about earlier, accept the fact that you're already free. And then once you start to behave like that, once you like really accept it, believe it, understand that, that you're already free, you're, you're born free and no one can take that away from you. And once you accept that fact, you'll start to act that way. And then that'll influence, like Jack was saying earlier, that'll influence how others start to behave as well. And I think that's probably the best way to do it. Lead by example. Nice. Well said, Morpheus. What about you, Mr. Hawk? Looking all sharp over there. So there are definitely benefits of owning a corporation, and one of those are tax deferment. And if you're in fiat, that's what you do. But if you're in crypto and there's no real way to measure that in a corporation that you are part owner of, um, you can get protected from a lot of taxation. Uh, Fireon.com. Fireon.com. <laughs> Mr. Spear, you are part owner, and we get to decide the future together. Um, I nice. would say build up your self-reliance and self-sufficiency. Yeah. You know, take up homesteading, grow your own food, do business with your neighbors, you know, under the table type business. Put in as much as you can to be not dependent on the system because that's the very definition of liberty is to not be dependent on someone else because dependency is how you control someone, right? So I control you either with the threat of violence or the fact that you need me or both. So, if you have food production systems and half of your food comes out of your backyard, you're a hell of a lot closer to liberty right there. And it, the beauty of that is it's something that anybody can do, and you can teach others to do it. And when they see you do it, they want to. And the person you can't convince to do it, if you just shut up and do it, then they're like, they give you permission. Can you show me how to do this? And all I got to do to get somebody garden is hand them a freaking pepper in, in, in you know July right yeah. off the plant and they're like how do i do this i mean that is the easiest way to get started i think yeah no risk no it's not illegal yes it's taking it back to the roots cool i would encourage people to cultivate mindfulness 
right, through breath work, meditation, and be mindful of the actions that you take and ask yourself, is this action contributing to the growth or the furtherance of the state or is this action contributing to a free society? And when, whenever you can, wherever you can, try to shift more towards your activities, your behavior, where you put your time, energy, and money, your focus into freedom. Cool. All right. Well, it's a great show. Thank you so much, guys, for, for joining us. Thank you to the listening audience. Check us out at UnloosetheGoose.com, UnloosetheGoose.com. If you have not yet, please subscribe to one of our various podcast feeds so we can stay in touch. And until and next week. And please share this with a friend. Hit that notification button too. Hit it, bang it, bang it, get it, hit like. And leave a yeah, leave a review on uh, whatever whatever platform you're listening to this on. Definitely, and like we all share these episodes on social media. A lot of you guys listen to us, follow us, man. Hit share. So share us on MeWe, share us on Facebook. If you're insisting on still being there, you know, share this show, and uh, that's one way we can manifest more freedom and liberty by getting more people to even hear about it. I, I think it was Ron Paul that said something like something to the effect of when people hear about freedom, they tend to like it and then they tend to pursue it. Nice. Yeah. Mm. Unloose the goose. We'll take no views. Your paradigm's wrong.